Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Commander, set a new course. There's coffee in that nebula. Thank you for joining us on The Janeway, the Voyager podcast where my coffee-deprived co-host Liam Smart and I, Suzanne Williamson, look at Voyager episodes to work out whether our favorite captain has approached things the right way, the wrong way, or the Janeway. Before we get started with the episode today, why not give us a follow on Twitter at the Jane underscore way and also join our Facebook community group for our listeners called The Nexus, where you can discuss this episode all the other episodes on Holosuite Media, as well as new episodes of What the Future Holds, our Star Trek Discovery podcast, seeing as we're now a few episodes in to Star Trek Discovery. But Suzanne, we're not the only one here today. We're not. No, who's here? I believe. Looking across the room, I see Nick Ketwalski. Oh, he- hello. Oh, it's good to see you. Hello. <laughs> how, are, how are you both doing today? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. We can see you across the room. I mean, for you, me to see you, yes, totally. Flat. Yeah. Well, just for the viewing audience here, you know, for the listeners, you know, we're in the same room. Just imagine us in the same room, in the same space, staring at each other. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> On that a is fifteen-inch room. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, six feet, sixteen feet. Actually, separate distance. We're very safe here. That's how we do it. Mm-hmm. At least it's not a Jeffrey's tube. That's true. At least it's not a Jeff. Well, yeah, they'd be banned from entering the Jeffrey's tubes nowadays. Yeah, they would. They <laughs> fix the ship. They'd let the fix just dis- the ship destroy itself before going in the Jeffrey's tube nowadays. <laughs> so, Nick, tell us a bit about yourself for listeners that don't know who you are. I mean, if you don't know who Katwalski is, you're probably under a rock. To be quite honest with you, but anyway, <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, so I, uh, my name is Nick. I run the Ketwalski YouTube channel. Uh, I do a bunch of Star Trek news coverage and reviews and discussions and breakdowns and stuff like that. And and I talk just mainly just about Star Trek. And uh, I kind of just exist kind of a bit in the just the YouTube realm there with the video formats. And I'm trying to branch myself out and engage all the other really fantastic content creators on platforms. I don't even understand podcast platforms. Like when I see them, I'm like... I don't even know how they make them work, but they are very interesting, very entertaining, and I figured I'd come to the experts here and just sit down and have a great conversation. So I'm looking forward to it, talking about Star Trek Voyager. Very excited. I hate to break it to you, but we are not experts, are we, Suzanne? <laughs> no, you guys are the true professionals. Come on now. <laughs> you have that not experts you? or professional. I guess you could say you're the Trexperts, but that's copyrighted already, so sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that is. <laughs> So what specifically made you want to come on the Janeway? So I would say, and this may hurt some people's uh, feelings here on the Janeway podcast, but uh, 
Voyager is my least rewatched series. I would say that Star Trek Voyager, oh. I've only watched the entirety of Star Trek Voyager once, Why? whereas some of the other series is... Uh, I don't know, so... Rude. I mean, I'm going to kick you off right now. <laughs> What's the point? Oh, no. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for having me. I'll see you guys later. No, I... So, I... To, to answer the question of why I wanted to come on, it's to engage in more of a discussion about Star Trek Voyager and force myself to kind of rewatch it. Now, the answer to your question of why it was my least rewatched one, I think it's just when I was introduced to Star Trek, it was TNG, and then I was drug over into Deep Space Nine, and I was kind of in the TNG Deep Space Nine realm, and for whatever reason, I was never able to catch Voyager on television, you know, way back in the day when we all used to have to use a TV guide to find <sighs> things. And I I was not able to find it regularly on television. And then the next thing I know, this show called Star Trek Enterprise was on, and then I tried to watch that one. So I, it was a bit of a fragmented introduction for me. So when I went back and was able to binge through it, you know, thanks to the internet now in the future, I, it just... I don't think it just hit me in the same way that it would have hit me, I think, when it was originally airing at the time. So it just was one of those things that didn't quite stick on me just based off of the timing of when I originally saw it, which is, I think, disappointing for some people to probably hear, but everyone's got their own favorites and their own least favorites. So, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, but that, that's, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at right now, and that's why I wanted to come on. You guys gave me a softball episode for us to talk about because this is an iconic one, mm -hmm. so well, it's easy to talk about You did one. change the date. You were originally going to be talking about Phage. <laughs> I know, which I totally definitely planned that, definitely. No, what I did was is I got overbooked, and then I had to go for a wedding to Chicago, and oh, I, wow. uh, I had to shift everybody back. I had to shift this one back and a couple other yeah. ones as well. Oh, no, so we're, I we're apologize not, for we're, that. We're not fast, honestly. Like, <laughs> you were coming. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, I could have just done it over the phone, I think. It would have been, you know, <laughs> audio wouldn't have been good. No. So, and I'm already suck at editing as it is. So how old were you, though, then, I guess, when TNG and DS9 were out? Like, was that something that you were watching as a kid or, like, as a young guy? So, yeah. So, I, I, when I got introduced to TNG... Um, it had already been on for a number of years at that point. Um, I think I was probably about five when I was introduced to The Next Generation. And I know that seems like really young. Like, how could I possibly remember that? Well, don't worry, because my dad chooses to remind me of that on a regular basis <laughs> when it is he introduced me to that. Um, because Star Trek was really introduced to me as a younger kid. Um, I was forced to watch the motion picture as a child because oh. my dad loved it so much. So I learned love. I, I love it now, actually, for totally different reasons. But yes, yeah, so that was the bane of my existence. I burned a hole through the voyage home because I thought that one was great because it had you know, freaking yes. whales in it, you know, and, uh, you know, there was some swearing. So I was like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> but so that I, I got that introduction mixed with TNG. And then as I got a bit older. Uh, you know, you know, early teens or whatever is when I was able to finally start watching Deep Space Nine. And, and I think it was just because it was a little bit more of a serious show. Uh, that's what it was going for. So, you know, I think my dad kind of just held me off a little bit on that one. And then I was introduced to it from that from that stage. And then, like I said, the next thing I knew, I was seeing ads for Star Trek Enterprise and being really confused. Because again, back in the day, eager listeners, we didn't have the internet like that to just Google what the heck is going What's the timeline of Star Trek Enterprise in relation to the other ones? It was just, 
you had to get it in a 30 second spot ad and you're like, I don't know what this is all about. Why is everyone wearing those weird blue outfits? I don't know what's happening. You know? <laughs> yeah. They look like mechanics. Yeah, I know. And I love it now. But right. I mean, you know, and as a kid, like a teenager kid, you know, I was like, what the hell are they? These are phase pistols. And I'm like, what? they're just called phasers. You weirdos. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's interesting because with me, Voyager was the first thing that I was introduced on, which is probably why it's, I would say it's my favorite. Listeners would know that mm-hmm. um, I toggle quite often between Deep Space Nine and Voyager for different reasons, but Voyager sort of just feels the most comfortable. And I think that's because I was 10, roughly, when I started watching it. It's just something you've grown up with. I will ask, though, given your rewatch has been most recent, what is your favorite thing and what is your least favorite thing about Voyager? just putting you on the spot (laughs) yeah i know i know really seriously i i would say just from a broad speaking term about the show of star trek voyager i like the concepts of the entire show of a starship lost without the federation support and they have to survive on their wits will love trust and passion for each other and their job in order to get back home and exploring a truly actual, like, no kidding, this is strange new worlds. Like, this is unknown territory going through the Delta Quadrant, you know? And so that is probably something that I that I like the most about it. I really enjoyed the premise and the construct of it, which is ironic because the premise of it was one of the reasons why my dad never really introduced me to it because he actually thinks the premise is not so good. He's just not really interested in the premise. Okay. So that's why I didn't really watch it all that much beyond the fact that not being able to find it. Um, we never really watched it together. So it, it, there was a mixture of that there. So the thing that I like the least about it... Um, that's a hard thing to say because it's... It's okay. You can either say would, Joe Carey or the fight. <laughs> no. You leave my Joe alone. So here's the thing is there is some... I, the thing that I like least about it, ironically, has nothing really to do with the show. It has to do with what's going on behind the scenes because by the end of Voyager, I felt like the well was starting to dry up with original ideas and i think the berman era of star trek was becoming stale so they started doing all these really weird Mm -hmm. things and i felt like it was like okay like the borg stuff was good you know they were really hitting it hard with that borg stuff and there was a lot of other really great you know subplots that were happening there There there's some fantastic episodes but then they had some really weird episodes that were just i i'm like uh so i that is kind of like one of the things that's negative about it like friendship one. Friendship one. Yeah. Friendship one. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't want to talk about. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Fortunately, we got all the way to season seven to worry about. <laughs> yeah, that. I know. You got a long time to get to that. You know, and that's the thing. Like watching this episode was. It's fun and it's quaint, right? Because every season, every first season of every Star Trek show is always, you know, kind of silly. You mm. know, there's always like the characters are still trying to figure themselves out. The actors are trying to figure out these characters. You know, we're still learning it, and so you you approach. As a seasoned watcher and viewer of Trek content, you approach every first season with that. You have to have that little special lens inserted of this was the first season and things are weird and that's okay. So like when we're watching this one, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in this one. But it's under that first season kind of uh, view scope where it's like this is acceptable because they're still trying to figure out the formula here, which they definitely got a lot of that formula. But I don't think that 
I, I felt like there was a staleness of the franchise that was then immediately rushed through and kind of punched into Enterprise, which is what kind of sank that ship, you know, no pun intended, pretty much from the get-go. And I, yeah, so there was a lot of franchise. And then people like to say, oh, franchise fatigue doesn't happen. No, it was happening. It was definitely happening both in the writer's room and in the viewership. I think that they were running out of creative ideas. I do. I, that's just my personal opinion. For but, single yeah, um, for single it. episode storylines, definitely. They're definitely running yes. out of ideas. You can tell some of them that were recycled. So, Anyway, listeners, so the episode that we're looking at this week is The Cloud, season one, Yay. episode five. Yay. Now, everyone should realize that this episode is basically the coffee episode of Star Trek Voyager. You could <laughs> pretty much get Nescafe to sponsor it probably. But. Yes, yes. Let's <laughs> get on it. Come on. <laughs> So uh, if we just quickly look at IMDb there, description is Voyager becomes trapped in a strange nebula when the crew searches for a new power source for the ship, which is the most bland description of any episode I've ever seen. But yes, <laughs> and it's also only given 6.6 out of 10, which do you know what? That's, that, that what? pretty much underserves the episode because there's a hell of a lot of character development in it. It does. There, This is, and that actually, I'm very disappointed by that mm. because this is an iconic episode. Obviously, for the coffee, which has become a huge meme unto itself, and has essentially been become a, a caricature trait of Janeway. Yes. You know, like it's it's part of her identity in the fandom and in the universe. You know, so uh, the fact that it only has a six point six is really disappointing. And there were some fun things in this episode. Like we got a lot of really. I don't want to break all the things down, but we got a lot of really fun interactions with the cast members. A lot of mm-hmm. weird things that happened with the crew. You know, and and. But there was some really fun looking and I like the eye construct of the nebula. Obviously, we've seen so much of this stuff now that it's like, you know, even if you hadn't watched this episode before, like, you know, okay, the nebula's alive and it's upset now that they're doing <laughs> yes. this. Like, yeah. But it's 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 fun to kind of just be in this kind of room where they're kind of exploring the super strange new world of this nebula trying to get home. I thought it was I not a 6.6. I think it means to be way yeah, higher. I'd give it personally. 7.5 or an 8. There are some pretty annoying scenes which we'll get into. Uh, but yeah. It definitely needs to be higher because this is our first Akuchi Moya. <laughs> the, the, this the, is. The, oh the, the very <laughs> potentially fake pseudo Native American things that might not necessarily be real and partly <laughs> offensive, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I got to. We got We got We should have put like a, a disclaimer at the beginning oh. of this episode that we're going to be saying some potentially offensive things, quoting the show because it is a little offensive yes. in some of the things that they mm. said, for sure. And sometimes I don't like saying that, oh, it's a product of its time, because realistically, we're all people. We should know what's right and wrong and what's offensive and what's inoffensive. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was 1995. So we open the episode with a personal log, which I think is the first time that we hear Janeway do a personal log from memory, talking about how... Which, mm-hmm. the very, very start of this episode, it bugs me because did you see the back of her uniform? There's this weird dart like towards the left shoulder. No, I guess I wasn't paying that the much attention. I'm, at it, I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I, now I'm going to have to bring it, it up. Just, what are you like? What, what kind of dart do like, you what mean? What is that? Like oh. it was brought in towards the left shoulder. She's not talking about a physical dart see, like, like thrown in the back. Oh, I thought somebody threw a dart at her. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, a clothing did dart. Did I not watch the right dart. episode? Because I don't recall anyone throwing darts at Janeway at the beginning. That happens later in Sandrine. I don't think Seska yeah, uh, is like a keen dart player. She hasn't learned that on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> it's a Native American dart game. It's called Throw the Darts at the Captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <whoa. laughs> 
yeah, so nice. I didn't even notice that because clearly the things I know. I was too busy worried. It was just a bad costuming choice. I was too busy worried about the fact that she said that they've only been there for several weeks and in that time, you know, they've been stolen by a space farmer, met zombie aliens that want to steal lungs, trapped in a quantum singularity and, like, cause some nuclear disruption in time travel episode. Like, all in several weeks. They must fear literally waking up in the morning. (laughs) Listen, as a younger viewer... You think Neelix is being a bit of a stick in the mud with his, like, could we not go back into the nebula routine? But as an adult, I'm like, yeah, could you could you not go? Like, could you stop messing around with literally everything? You've been here for literally a few weeks, and you're almost dying every week. Yeah. And, you know, he's bringing up a lot of points, a lot of good Can points. Can we please just go a fortnight where nothing happens? <laughs> it's like... Not on, a, not on this ship, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no way. So, I mean, seriously, they must dread waking up in the morning. Um, we get to hear that Janeway is thinking about how the crew is starting to bond together. But she's also trying to work out, you know, how to be a captain. She wants to distance herself because that's what she's been taught. But at the same time, this is not a standard Starfleet mission. They're basically fucked over in the Delta Quadrant. Does she become a mother figure to them? Does she stay distant? And you know what? That must be like a really hard thing to actually consider. As a manager, like knowing being a manager at work, for example, you don't want to make too much friends out of your own mm-hmm. employees. But if you're basically living with them and working them on, on the same ship, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, so I, I would say like um, being in the service myself, like the conversation between Tom and um, Tom Paris and uh, Kim. Who was he at the breakfast? Was it Kim, Kim. who was at the breakfast yep. with? Is that Harry? Who was okay. Was it Harry? Okay. I couldn't remember who he was sitting with. Um, so... <laughs> The conversation they were having together was actually very realistic. Both of them had both valid viewpoints um, because that's conversations that has happened before that I've actually had with people. It's like, should we invite? And it's like, no, no, no. They'll If they want to, they'll invite us over there. And then it's like, well, maybe they feel weird about doing that because they don't want to encroach. Like that conversation is actually a very real conversation that happens, I would say, fairly regularly wow. between enlisted and officer members and stuff like that. So seeing that now, like I am in the service, like seeing that conversation happen, I was like, wow, that's actually a very realistic conversation. And they were both very much right. Like Tom wasn't wrong in his aspect because, right, sometimes leaders would be the ones that would be much more forward with that, whereas Harry was also right where some of them feel weirdly about it. And I think it speaks to the relationships between the crew members, but also their relationship with her because they don't necessarily know her very well at that moment. So they don't really know where the line is with her specifically, which I'm glad that they call back to again, you know, typical, you know, Berman style Star Trek. It's always going to come back up later. Don't worry. We Mm -hmm. didn't forget it. Sow those seeds. That's right. That's right. So they get to bring it up later, which obviously has a really great outcome to it. Um, But yeah, I thought that was a really great conversation. It was actually very realistic. I'm glad that they had that in there. So you say say you're in the service, what, like Army or Air Force? I'm in the uh, Air Force. What do you do? Please tell me you fly planes. I do not. No, it's too short for all that. Oh. And, uh, yeah, no, it'd be too cool. Are you kidding me? If I flew planes, I'd be walking around my flight suit all the time. Just being it's like, like, look at me, guy. I fly a plane. Yeah, that's right. I'm at the Walmart <laughs> and I'm in the flight suit. Yeah, they'd probably get probably fired for that, you know? But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, uh, I just work on computers. I work on IT. Cool. That's about... My ability on a computer is to edit a podcast, and that's literally it. <laughs> there you go. That's all you need, really. <laughs> same thing. No, same, same. <laughs> uh, before we get to the scene with Harry and Tom in the mess, do you think Belana looked absolutely terrified 
that Janeway turned up in engineering? She was terrified. She did. And I have to point out how much I love the see-through floor on the second level. You know, that's... I love it. Yeah, it is nice. Uh, I like the set layout because when you saw her at the top corner, I'm, you know, pointing as if people can see me, but you guys can see me. We're pointing at the, you know, and they're in that top corner and because we're all in the same room, remember? And (laughs) she ran over to the the ladder and I, I, I really enjoyed that part where like she's like not even all the way down the ladder yet by the time Janeway's kind of like rolling back out of there. Because she was like, it is just a walk through to kind of like, I think maybe establish a bit of a relationship with her in that moment to be mm. like, maybe you should chill out a little bit. Because she was like, I think you're right. She was terrified. Like she was running down there thinking it was, you know, like the principal was calling, you know, and she was freaking out. Which but uh, sort of yeah. seems a bit out of character, though, for Balana, considering what we saw in Parallax and how like much they bonded over the warp particles kind of thing. But she's still new in that job. Janeway could take it away from her at any point. True, and they'll give it to a bloody Joe. That's true. Stop That's being mean to Joe. <laughs> I've developed this thing where I'm just going to shit on Joe Carey for the next seven years. <laughs> Not, listen, I'm, we can shit on Joe Carey. I'm fine with that. So. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, the Joe Carey hate train. All aboard! Except <laughs> Suzanne will just like suddenly just quit. <laughs> I'm starting my I'll own. Throw myself on podcast. the track. Did you know there is an action figure of Joe Carey? Like, no shit. There's an action figure. Are you serious? And Suzanne has it. I'm it's yeah. ridiculous. I'm I'm looking it up really quick while we're talking because I have to see this. <laughs> I, I just can't believe it. Well, I have all of them except for Neelix in his security uniform. I mean, nobody wants to see that either. <laughs> yeah. So you're going back into the uh, mess hall with Harry and Tom. I mean, we've, Nick's already said about the good interaction with them, and it was a great interaction. But I, I was not paying attention to their talk because I was watching Janeway behind them. Look for coffee. And I want to know what asshole drained all three carafes of coffee and just left them sitting there. Were there three of them? There were three. There were three. There were she three. She tried all oh, three. Oh, wow. That's probably Chell. I mean, he's bouncing off the walls. <laughs> I'll tell you, that was the most unrealistic part of it, which was that nobody saved the captain a, a cup of coffee. Somebody would have saved that captain a cup of coffee. Believe that. I wouldn't have. Or at least move the carafes off of the, the table. Did you think Neelix's not bussing tables? Are you kidding me? He's not doing any of that. <laughs> no. He's got no time for that. He's, he's too, too busy, busy getting cabbage. <laughs> yeah, or doing whatever the hell it was he was doing. And then, and then uh, pouring... What appears to be Nutella into her mug. <laughs> As is better than coffee substitute. <laughs> now, can we just quickly point out the whole thing about Harry saying about the whole Chinese curse thing? I didn't even realize that that wasn't even a thing. That's just something that the Western world says is a Chinese curse saying, and it's not even a Chinese thing. And the fact that Harry Kim is meant to be a Korean character. It, it was unnecessary and awkward. And that is number one of weird cultural things that are said in this episode that mm-hmm. are really do not age well. And I don't think that they should have been included to begin with because, right, it, it was like, and it wasn't even like a wise proverb or like a Chinese curse or like, it was just, it was stupid. It was, it was, what was it? Yeah. What even was it? I, I don't even, I didn't even commit it to memory. May you live in, in, in interesting times. Yeah, what? 
That's what it. even? Yeah, that's not a curse. It's called. What it's, even is that? So I was looking it up when like frantically writing shit down for the episode that it is something that people say and people in the Western world say is a Chinese curse, even though there's no like relationship whatsoever to China in it. I've never heard that ever. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's not even and. It didn't even really make any sense. May you live in interesting times. And it's always interesting whenever Neelix is in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I think even one of your presidents in the past said it once, according to the internet. Probably. I, it. I mean, it sounds like something that somebody would say yeah. in the past or recently or whatever. You know, it's, I was going to say recently. I'd say the, yeah. uh, the only realistic part of that conversation there is an ensign saying something really stupid to their captain trying to make a really loud <laughs> joke. Which, <laughs> that is very realistic. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah, that part was really weird. But the fact that he had to say an ancient Chinese curse, as if Harry Kim is this ancient Chinese curse machine, <laughs> and he's just churning out all these <laughs> phrases all the time. You know, it's, it's not part of his character. Like you said, he's not even Chinese; he's Korean. Uh, like that. Oh do you God. listen to the Delta Flyers podcast? I uh, don't. No. So, um, Garrett Wong oh, so said good. that I think it was in the sixth or seventh season that they went to or that he went to Berman and other writers, etc. It's like you do know that Kim is a common last name in Korea and that I've thought of my character as Korean this whole time. And they're like, oh no, we thought he was Chinese. They didn't even sort of have a clue what was going on, which is why throughout Voyager you get all those weird Chinese things happening. <laughs> it's just ancient Chinese proverbs. As, mm-hmm. uh, uh, well, I mean, I, you can put that on Berman, but at the same time, though, listen... You could have probably said something. You think that they were just giving you the Chinese lines for no reason? Like, come mm. on. You could have maybe said something. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe put two and two together. Oh, it's, 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 every, it's everyone's fault. Like, I'm not. I'm yeah, not well, oh, yeah, I know. It's it's <laughs> it, it's a weird. Th- like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, there's a couple of weird. We'll get to those lines later. But there's a couple of things in there that it is interesting how far society's level of like, that is not okay to actually say out loud has progressed since the mid nineties, late to mid nineties to 2020 where we are now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually, I think is, is a really good thing because some of the stuff that people were saying there, I don't even think that, I don't even think it's fair to say that people were doing it intentionally. It was just something that was said without really even realizing mm-hmm. that it was as it, negative as it sounded. Just, just ignorant to it all. Just ignorance. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a couple of lines in here that I can't imagine the writers were like, yeah, put that one in and that'll stick it to them. Like, yeah, I feel like they just, just no were writing idea. it because, right. They were just writing it because that's what people said. Like, that's just normal speak, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting though. It's yeah. an interesting thing. Just wanted to touch on the whole attitude of Janeway with Neelix and his coffee substitute. Sorry, that is not how you deal with one of your crew or one of your staff or whatever. Because she was totally dismissing she him and had her totally rude. No, I'm sorry, she was rude. Wrong way, doing things the wrong way. There, she should just have. He didn't save her any coffee. Yeah, but she also did not need to, you know, give him all that sass. I wrote down sassy coffee face. <laughs> she. So there was a. I would say, and again, I go back to that season one lens. You've got to insert. Where, like, her reaction to Neelix was weird, and then, like, later on when she's talking to Chakotay about spirit animals, I thought she was, like, I didn't really remember that part of this episode at all, which is weird because it's, like, such an important part of it, apparently. But when she initially was talking to him about it, like, when they were sitting there in the chairs, I thought she was being sarcastic when she was like, and then what happens with the spirit animal? And I was like, I thought it was sarcastic, but it was actually sincere, 
it was really weird. So I think Kate Mulgrew was still kind of figuring out how to play the character a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Because her body language when she was talking to Chakotay then, she was all leaned in, her legs pointed towards him. It was very flirtatious. It almost seemed like that. And then she was like, we'll keep going, this conversation going later. And it, like, there's something like that. Like, there was like a weird line she had when she stood up really it's quickly. It's a date. Yeah, it's a date. There we go. It's a date. And I was like, it's a mm-hmm. date. Well, spoiler <laughs> alert, it's not a date. But. <laughs> exactly. We got to make the choice here, Susanna and Nick. Janeway's attitude towards Neelix. Janeway. You reckon Janeway? (laughs) You're throwing that out fast. You threw that Janeway out fast. I'm saving that. I felt like I shouldn't have like put it in my pocket for right now. I would say my rating for her interaction with Neelix in that sequence is probably the right way. And why do I say that? Because I do not operate well without my coffee either. So I got your back, Captain. I got your back, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Don't even stress. <laughs> I would have saved her a cup. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's I'll mar- how I feel about it. I will mark that down as a right way then. I- That's it. I'll mark it down. And then he tried to feed her that Nutella. Get out of here, Neelix. Was- take that stupid hat off. <laughs> she bolted out of there when Shikode wanted him. <laughs> wanted her. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be on the bridge, Captain. It's like, oh, yes, I do. I do. <laughs> y- yes, I do. Yes, anything. Literally, somebody tripped. I'm there. Don't even stress. I'm coming. You have no idea. I had to be here. So we jump to the bridge, uh, find a nebula, the whole point of the plot of the episode. And then, of course, we get that typical Janeway line. There's coffee in that nebula. Like the mm. most memed Janeway moment possible. I would say that the Nebula Coffee Company. It literally, yes. Uh, <laughs> I would say that at that moment, I don't think that that line was as iconic as it is now. Obviously, because sometimes it takes a little while for these things to happen. And again, the internet wasn't the same back then, so there was no memes to make about it. I'm sure that would have immediately started trending on Twitter if it had aired just you know recently. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like cake is eternal. Right, exactly. Exactly right. Cake yes. is eternal. Cake is eternal. And I I I love it though. I love it. It's it's one of those little things that as Trekkies we can go back to and and just kind of re enjoy every time we get to see it because it's just this fun moment and and it was a character defining moment now. Like I said earlier, like she's now as completely associated with the construct of coffee and whether they meant for that or not, it's the fans created that element of her character just through their enthusiasm of these, you know, coffee references in this line in particular. So, yeah, I think it's great. I think that's really fun. I agree. Also, just throwing it out there, setting a course to find uh, the Omicron particles to get more energy or whatever. Just I'm not even asking you. That's the right thing to do. So they need energy. Yes. Yes, yeah. We need energy. Then we get the credits. Now, just very briefly, Nick, I've had me and Suzanne's opinion, or Suzanne and I's opinion on this. What do you think of the credits of Voyager? Because I think they're the best credits out of any Star Trek. Best music, best mm-hmm. opening credits. Interesting. Okay. Probably followed um, by Discovery's music. I'm going to hit you with a totally Definitely. different thing here. I actually think that Voyager has the best music. But I actually really enjoy the visuals of the Picard intro. Okay. I like how it's all kind of intricated. intricate. I know. With rotting Picard face. The Yes, the, the <laughs> exactly. I 
And maybe I'm biased because I, I like Picard so much, so maybe that's poisoning my opinion. But uh, okay. I like the visuals a lot there. The music was just all right, but I mean, I don't think anything, nothing that has come out, in my opinion, has really compared to the Voyager theme. I think it's probably just as iconic in my mind as like the traditional Trek mm-hmm. theme, quote mm-hmm. unquote Trek theme. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's. Uh, I think most times a, a casual fan would not even be able to tell you the differences between the two. They probably would point to the Voyager theme song as being the more iconic version of it, without them realizing that there's a different one out there as well. Yeah, because I think it's that. I think it's that good. I do. I agree. So after the credits, uh, we get the whole senior bridge walk in. You know, Mister Senior Ensign walking to ops. Oh, just, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's just, how how is the senior officer? He's like his first mission. Anyway, uh, so yeah. Janeway starts talking to Chakotay about the crew and worrying, and this is where, you know, we already brought it up, the whole idea of having no counsellor on board because it was only a short, short mission, wasn't expecting to be out for this long. It was a three-hour mm-hmm. tour. A three-hour three tour. tour. <laughs> yeah, and then we get a three-hour tour of the spirit realm. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> now... You were totally right when you say that you thought that she was being sarcastic because she does look at him like, oh, really? What's this? Oh, and then she starts talking about Chakotay's spirit animal. Like, I bet it's a bear. And Chakotay's like, huh, why? And she's like, I see you as the bear type. <laughs> and that is why they didn't get together. I'd say it's because he gives the best bear hugs. No. See, no, I, <laughs> I, think, I think that you're looking at it through uh... – a certain lens, we'll say. That's the lens. That's <laughs> it. I want to get everything. <laughs> That's right. I, so what I, I actually kind of agree with Suzanne because when I heard that line, I thought she was saying the bear as in like you're a big, strong man who gives the big mm-hmm. hugs and I want to be wrapped up in those Chicote arms mm-hmm. because she was flirting exactly. with him. It was a very flirtatious moment. She was like- Her body oh, language. Oh, really? <laughs> Tell me more about your ridiculous, stupid bear story or whatever. And she, and Growl at me later, like, Chikai, yeah. Growl at me later. Yeah, it's a date. And she was like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I thought she was like, I envisioned you as like a bear. And she like blew a kiss at him or something, I think, really fast, I think, on the bridge, yes. you know? Yes. I yes, think yes, there, because yes. again, like, you know, I, I'd be curious to understand a little bit more of that. Because this, if I were to watch just that episode of the two of them, I'd be like, these two are going to totally end up together. They're trying to build the sexual tension between the two of them, for sure, just based off of this sequence, which is not really the case, you know? So it's like, uh, interesting, but... However, Chakotay's spirit animal is a snake. <laughs> she, should, she should have just said that. <laughs> <laughs> but he can't because it the, it offends the spirit animal if it you does, speak yeah. its name. <laughs> Yeah, don't you know? But the we rules? find that out in in Pathways, the book. Oh, that's true. I yeah. was gonna say because I was about to ask you, like, how the hell do you actually know that? Because I don't remember <laughs> that coming up at all. So. No, it's a book thing. Suzanne's like obsessed oh. with the books too. Oh, gotcha. I don't read a lot of the books. I'm sorry. <laughs> me neither. Yeah. Hey, the books gave me validation recently with Kirsten Byer's last book. Thank you very much. Uh, hey, Kirsten Byer's a fantastic author. I've yeah. I mean, I've got Kirsten Byer books. She I just is. yeah. What else happened on that bridge that we can quickly talk about? Oh, yeah. So Tuvok decides to tell Kim off. I mean, that's... What a weird... Uh, another <laughs> another weird... I'm surprised he didn't hit him up with uh, ancient Chinese proverb says, shut your mouth on the bridge, Kim. <laughs> Badges out, you know? 
Tuvok is what we call a toxic leader, okay? And the, and the servant, like, what are you running your mouth for right now? It's okay to say things out loud. It was a very weird line. It was completely unnecessary. But of course he's never seen anything before as well, because this is his first mission. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you'll make the junior officers. Well, he's only fucking two or three weeks old in terms of, like, service, I He guess. says you make the junior officers uncomfortable. Who? Who's out there that's like on the bridge that's like, oh my God, he said he'd never seen this before. I'm panicking. We're like, in the Delta you're in the Quadrant. Delta Quadrant. And you haven't seen any of this before. I mean, he's like, a bloody baby. Who is Tuvok? Are they like blaring this out to the entire ship? Are they on like the speaker? <laughs> and like some guy's on the can and he's like, oh, I've never seen that before. This guy's like, I better get out there. Real, what is happening? Oh my God. You know, like what? What is going on? What was he worried about? It was so weird. I mean, he is the senior ops person. But did Tuvok really need to use his combat? <laughs> here it is right there. You mean how? You mean how you He's could? Right there. It's like when you're talking to someone on the phone in the same room as you. It's like I can just hear your regular voice. <laughs> I don't need the phone. Yes. He wasn't even whispering. He was <laughs> no, just like, "This is Tuvok," and it was. <laughs> Very, they're like the bridge is really small. You guys are five feet from each other. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, hey, I have a secret. I can't tell you. Yeah. The, the secret is <laughs> shut your mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do like how he gets him back later in the episode. Yeah, again, another yes, planted seed. Harry Snark. That's right. The sass. Um. So things start hitting the ship, etc. Obviously, they've found themselves into a scary nebula. Uh, I do like quite often the most favorite parts of Trek is when they're actually sitting there trying to make a solution to science their way out of things or work their way out of a situation. They're the kind of stuff that I like. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering what you guys thought of them going through and trying to work out what the hell's going on. I mean, I would say the... the the strengths of this episode and I would say a lot of the Berman era Trek in general, but the strength of this particular episode was that they worked as a team to come up with very scientific solutions to work out their problems, both in order to kind of get into the area and then also then leave it. They had to use force to get out of there, but they, they came mm-hmm. up with a scientific solution to kind of get into it. And then they came up with another scientific solution in order to correct the problem that they had caused. I really enjoy that, especially when they're running through things and they're like, do this thing. And they're like, blah, 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 blah. didn't work, Captain. What are we going to And she's like, try this, try that, hit that, do this graviton beam. And I like that rapid fire kind of uh, back and forth mm. bridge discussion because I think it really... It's very realistic to if it, you're dealing with an emergency operation like that, which in, in this case it is. It's an incident of trying to figure it out. So how are you going to resolve it as quickly as possible? And running through all these different ideas that they have, I, I think it's cool. I think that that's it's probably some of the better parts of this episode. I would say is when they're trying to troubleshoot these issues, and then later on they have the doctor there as well. But I think it's probably the best parts of this episode for sure. I just like that they say dust nodules. <laughs> what? <laughs> You know, I think my answer was too serious. Let's go back. Let me let's wind it back. Okay. I think that I liked how Harry Kim kept calling out how much energy they were losing every five seconds. Seven percent. Eight. <laughs> Ten. Kim to Tuvok. We're in hour at nine. Can Kim I say Tuvok. that? We're in double digits. Ten. In in other words, you're an idiot too. <laughs> he like patches out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kim to Tuvok, uh, 
uh, stupid Vulcan says, what? What? (laughs) He runs off the bridge, you know? Let me just jump to another ridiculous scene of Neelix being what I've written down, (gasps) a natural-born idiot. I love that because Kess says they're natural-born explorers, and he's like, they're natural-born idiots if you ask me. I thought you were, yeah, I mean, also Neelix himself is a natural-born idiot, yeah, I mean, but that's, that's unrelated well, yes. to that quote. Yes, that's a is. separate quote. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, it's very nice that Kess is like, I think that it's awesome going out and she would investigate every single hole that she could get into just because mm-hmm. she's never been off of a camper before, except for being called by the Kazons who needed water, but let's not go there. Um, uh, and then you get that. that. I hope that sound gets picked up on the mic here. Uh, <laughs> that's my response to that. <laughs> and then we get another nice little weird one. I've never kissed anyone inside a nebula before. Oh, uh, what is with the weird uh, sexual? Oh my! Ancient Chinese proverb says, "Kiss me in a nebula, and I'll feed you for a day." <laughs> it's in a fortune. It's in a fortune cookie. Uh, That's really bad. Uh, if they. <laughs> Give Kim a fortune cookie. Oh, oh God. (laughs) I just want you to know that they definitely had sex on top of those tables while they were bussing those things. That absolutely happened. Because it wasn't just, I haven't kissed anyone in Nebula before. The next line after that is, I also haven't boned anybody in a Nebula before. And they definitely went to town in that Nebula. They definitely, do you know what? In the 25 years that Voyager has been out, I've never once thought until now about Neelix and Kess having sex. And I'm just, I'm just done. I'm done. And you know, it wasn't like normal Did- stuff. Like they were bringing food into the bedroom. There was cabbage in there for sure. Lettuce and, um, and he was using that Nutella substance. And yeah, it was getting freaky in there. Are you kidding me? Just gooping it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope everybody's, this is a podcast, but I'm also giving you a bit of a visual diary of what is happening in the bedroom of Neelix. You're welcome. Anyways, I hope I'd be invited again onto the Jadeway. We'll invite you back for a lotion. How's that? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There we go. Uh, talking. I don't even know where to go from that. Okay, cool. You've really caught on on the like the tone of this show, Nick. That's good. That's good. Yes. We were just penetrating the inner orifice of the nebula oh. there. That's the term I'm going to use. I'm fairly yeah. sure that's exactly what we are. At. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's right. <sighs> okay. Um, <laughs> so they're trying to escape the nebula thing, but they're stuck. They can't, as you say, penetrate the energy barrier. This has got a whole new meaning mm-hmm. right now to my mind, and this That's is just right. not great. Oh, <laughs> oh, whoa. So instead of it being too big or too small, it's just right? Oh, yeah. We've had too big. We've had too small. You're right. Now we've got That's a just right there. hole. Perfect. <laughs> That's right. Just, oh, it's the ooh, I like that. That's the Goldilocks hole. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. So this is the last episode of this podcast then before it gets banned from the internet. I think it might be. It's okay. It's okay. Let's see what feedback we get this week, Suzanne. Yeah, this episode, normally I like it, but this one was just too sexual. (laughs) Now we're coming up to the womb. Yeah, oh, yeah, we haven't gotten to the womb yet. Just don't spoil it. We're getting to the womb. Don't worry. We haven't gotten there yet. 
Oh. Before oh, yeah. we before we go to that random scene, we get the point where Kim says that they've lost eleven percent of energy, and Janeway just turns around and goes, "Oh, yes, I have to give up coffee." Now she is addicted already. She is addicted to coffee. It, it, it was a weirdly played sequence too, because the ship was getting at that point. The ship was getting not damaged, but it was definitely there were things happening to it. And he's like, "We've lost eleven percent of our energy reserves," which is a huge deal for where they're at mm-hmm. right now. They're stuck inside of this nebula. Their things are attaching themselves to the hull. And she's like, I guess I'll just have to give up coffee. And it's like, it's a weird time for the quip. Maybe (laughs) save the quip until after. And maybe not at all because you just lost 11% of your energy reserves that are so vital. And that you did this so that you could get coffee. And there's just no, it's just, you don't even, she's not even picking up on the fact that that was probably (laughs) not the good idea. So that shit's hit the fan, but don't worry. And who was she even talking to? She was talking to her spirit animal. (laughs) 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 Oh, but it doesn't matter. She's priming herself. She's hoping that her spirit animal is actually a coffee plant. That thing is always with her. It's always, it's just inside of her. It's a coffee plant. Okay. Mm -hmm. That would have actually made more sense than what we got. That would have been so funny. Uh, we also just just briefly want to touch on the fact that Chakotay says they've only got 38 photon torpedoes when we know that, that that's never brought back again. That has been long. Yeah, yeah. they should have. That should have been. Should have cut that. If one they out. ever remaster Voyager like that, they need to cut that line. Just, yes. cut, it just cut that line. Well, it's not so much Chakotay's line, but Janeway's line of saying we have no way to replace them. Mm-hmm. That's true, too, which is also. Yeah. And that's been. Like, uh, Disproven. I think they fired like hundred or something like well over a hundred photon torpedoes. Kind of, yeah. And the bazillion shuttles that they've. Got. Oh, let's not. Oh, I mean, <laughs> let's not even get into shuttles. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you listen, listen. You know what? Actually, you know what? No, we're gonna put a hold on a second because people gave Discovery a lot of crap for the four thousand shuttles that came out of its bay at the end of season two. But <laughs> I'll have you remember that Voyager had four thousand and two shuttles that just just appear thank you very much mm-hmm. okay it's just a black hole it's whatever shuttle i need it's just a magic hat i'm just pulling shuttles out or there's no shuttles because that's also part of the script it's in the script the shuttles aren't working all right let's not forget People. about everything else that they do the, the replicator rations so <laughs> you know and that's another thing okay so let me i know we're i know we're, we're kind of going off topic here but have you met us that's what we do have you met us <laughs> <laughs> so explain to me because I, it, like I said, like full disclosure, like I said earlier, I have not watched Voyager that frequently. I really have not. And I was trying to rack my brain around the construct of the replicator rations was involving reserving mm-hmm. energy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It had to do with the energy, the replicator energy or just energy in general. But yet they're running that holodeck 24-7. Oh, no, that's run off a separate power system and energy system. Oh, right, right, right. That's even though if you go into the technical manual, the holodeck utilizes replicators in order to create the stuff mm-hmm. that's in there and also uses um, yeah. uh, transporter technology to create that stuff as well. But we're not. But they say not, they okay. do say somewhere in one of the episodes in the future that it's run off of a separate power source or something i believe isn't that right suzanne but it's still all the same power it's, it's not, not like one is one is gasoline and one is propane <laughs> <laughs> they got a generator out the back it's just 
just running. They just got it running. But then the guy's like, where are we getting all this fuel from? And they're like, well, I'm replicating it. (laughs) Just replicating all that gasoline. And that's whenever there's a holodeck episode that goes wrong. It's like the uh, generator needs starting up again. That's right. Exactly. That's right. They got somebody. Ah, uh, somebody forgot to refill it. You know. And so I was like sitting there thinking to myself because I know how replicator, or excuse me, how the holodecks function. Technically speaking, because I've gone through that whole uh, because you have the manual Air Force, of course. Well, I mean, of course. I mean, I have it in my house, really. Um, cool. Uh, <laughs> well, you have to be a Star Trek YouTuber and all the money you make from that's it. That's right. Well, I mean, that comes with the position. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Because I, I, I did like an episode uh, on my channel like, a long, long time ago of like, you know, kind of getting into the uh, the moral gray area of the holodeck. Like, are creature beings on the holodeck, quote unquote, real? And do they have rights? Mm. Kind of getting into that Moriarty discussion thing. And so I did a lot of research on how holodecks function. So I know that they share that energy is and that technology is very, it's, it's the same thing. Like, they're using transport and replicator technology, but it's like, they're like, we have to, like, we can't, don't use it for coffee. And then the next scene, he's like, welcome to my bar from France. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like programmed all the women in there to love him. And they're kissing me on the mouth. And I'm Tom Paris. <laughs> and you got to you learn some get things Get me in some prison. wine. <laughs> get me some wine, dame, or whatever. Like, he walks in and, like, kisses the bartender, like, on the mouth. And then there's, like, another one that's kissed. I'm like, what is this? Like, mm. who made this thing? Yeah. You, mm-hmm. Weirdo. Tom's a pig. It's weird sex stand. Listen, you learn a lot of things in prison. We get it. You're in prison. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. You learn a lot of things in prison. How to walk into someone else's room and like wake them up in the middle of the night. Like how fucking creepy is that? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, What did you, what were you, what prison cell were you in where you could then just hack the doors and get like, what do you? I guess that's what happens in New Zealand. This is yeah, that's what happens in New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'd love, I'd love to get like a full tour. I bet it's like a utopia prison. They're probably super cush down there, but I can't imagine that he would learn how to hack doors in prison. So really weird. So he was in Martha Stewart prison. <laughs> I think he was in Martha Stewart. Are you kidding me? With those soft, that those soft, that soft skin and his blonde hair, he would not last. This wasn't, this wasn't Rikers <laughs> Island. Okay, this was, this was. This was Nose Island, all right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, they were just having, I assume there probably wasn't any bars. They probably just living out in, I don't know, some kind of future Lord of the Rings Hobbit village or whatever that they were living in out there. And, <laughs> you know, they were all having their own fun, you know? It's, I, it was just, yeah. I, anyways, I know I just went off on a Gandalf huge tangent. Gandalf was the guard. Yeah, <laughs> just a guy cosplaying as Gandalf. <laughs> shall not pass. <laughs> you shall not. And then it's your day. He's like, you shall Pass. <laughs> Get on the thing. Yeah, right. Wow, no it's, uh Yeah, what a weird... Uh... Anyways, that was my beef with the holodeck thing, because I couldn't remember if they addressed it later, because That's I was fair. like, this doesn't add up with what their problems are with energy, mm. but that's okay. Yeah. Um, and now we have to bring it up. I'm sorry. Then we get the walk and talk womb comment. And now so, who remembers that? I mean... I did not remember this line. When when I was watching this, I don't remember. I did not remember it at all, which is why it. I felt both the initial awkwardness of like, why are you saying this out loud? 
Harry. Mm-hmm. And then I also got the uh, the belly laugh from Tom's line about like, well, this is a holiday program. I don't know if it's going to live up to that experience of being in the womb you just described. <laughs> like that was really, like, I, I got both at the same time. Uh, and I really just was like, wow, I don't remember this at all. And that's really freaking weird yeah. to say. I mean, they played it very well with <laughs> how um, they got Tom Paris to react to it. But fucking hell, like, imagine Garrett Wong getting that script and was like, are you really wanting me to say this? Because, I mean, it's a joke to be like, oh, yeah, I slept like a baby or I'm sleeping like I'm back in the womb. You know, like, it's a joke mm. about, like, blankets or bed, you know, or something like that, like a good night's sleep. Yeah. Not like, like, oh, yeah. And it's like, no, I remember what it was like being in my mother's womb. And it's like, okay, we're not hanging out anymore. No. Like, we're not. Like, I don't want to know. See, if somebody said that at high school or school, you'd be just turn around and call them womb boy, and you would not want to associate yourself with them. So. I, I, would, I don't know if I would poke fun at that person, but I would definitely, I would not, actually, you know what? I would go the other direction. I would not mess with that person because that's definitely one of those moments where I felt like when he said that, I feel like his combat should have activated and it would have been like, Ensign Kim, this is Tuvok. Don't say that. You know, <laughs> old ancient Chinese proverb says, don't say awkward shit on the, in the hallways to your friends. And he just badges out, you know. <laughs> I'm always listening. <laughs> He's always listening. Even when you're asleep, Kim, I'm listening. That's right. Senior officers don't sleep with masks on. How did you know I was in your room? <laughs> I was also in prison on Vulcan once. <laughs> you learn things in Vulcan prison. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, really just very. Yeah, it was a that, that was a weird line. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I hated it. It was super awkward, but it also got a really funny laugh yeah. out of me at the same time. It was time. it was weird, unnecessary, but also amusing at the same time. Uh, then we get introduced to Sandrine's, which we're then going to have for the rest of season two. Um, I'm sorry, <sighs> but. This is Ricky. She's in all of my holo programs. It's like, we know that you're doing with her in every holo program. All I could think of when I was watching that scene with his sex cabin that he's created from France was, I was just thinking of the episode of Lower Decks where they're like, Yes. where where Captain Freeman's like, is that what everyone's doing down there? And then (laughs) Ransom's like, yeah, mostly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what everyone's using it for. Yeah, it's... Uh, okay, so, so like, who in Voyager is cleaning out the filters? <laughs> it better fucking be Neelix. I... Oh, God, I hope not, because he'd probably turn it into some kind of cuisine. Oh! <laughs> oh, that's what goes on the hair pasta. Oh, no. <laughs> Which, I mean... We are getting listen now. <laughs> He had to repurpose everything, okay? The man was given a task, and he did what he had to do. And it's protein. Uh, it's a lot of nutrients. <laughs> Amino acids. Amino acids. I think it helps with heart disease. Um, <laughs> this podcast is absolutely... I'm never going to be invited back onto this thing. This is This is going down the drain quick. Much like what happened in the holodeck, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. I tell you what was weird about the holodeck thing is he brought Kim there by themselves, which was the end where they're all there is awkward enough because it's his weird sex cabin. But in this case, he brought Kim there who later on kisses, like the barkeep kisses him on the mouth, which led me to believe that 
that scene had another ending to it that we like it cut to black and went to commercial <laughs> but that did not end with them just being like what a great game of pool like i felt like there was more for sure that happened like he went he was like come on but wake up we're gonna go yeah. bang these yeah hollow deck <laughs> let's go find the ladies that i <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. He's like, I programmed him to do whatever I want. And it's like, this is getting real weird. He's like, you learn things in prison. (laughs) And I'm like, stop using that line. It's freaking me out. Um, It's context. Yeah, I'm sorry. But we we know that, like, he must have, we've we've actually figured out. Oh, no, don't apologize. God, no. (laughs) This makes a change for me not being the worst one on this show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, I'm taking the title. Here we go. We're, we're just getting started. I'm with it. Love Here we it. Go. Love it. Um, we know Harry is completely naive and got no game anyway from a few episodes before. Yes. So that's yeah, like Tom I mean. saying, come on, they are literally waiting to sleep with you. And he's like, no, I'd like a cup of tea, please. <laughs> Ancient Chinese proverb says, you get more ladies with the tea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the tea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, he's just a weird... It's almost it almost so realistic. Like it almost comes across as they didn't really know how to write his character. Tom or Harry, or both. Both. <laughs> I would say a bit of both. Like Tom is like the sleazy part of Riker that you don't get to see in the front. Like you know he's go he's doing all this weird stuff in the background with like the trumpet. You know, like who knows what he's using that for. But so Tom is the Riker mullet. Tom is the Riker mullet, absolutely, and which is not what you're. He's like saying the Riker things that you're not supposed to say out loud. And yeah. Harry Kim, it just feels like they didn't really know how to write his character. Mm. So they were like, what if we just had him do a bunch of we-? like they were just he's just got like all this like it felt like all the leftover dialogue from other characters. And they were like, what if you just said a bunch of this weird stuff? And I don't know, just get out there, get on set, Garrett, get out there and say these things, you know, it. Yeah. Womb boy, get out there. <laughs> yes. It reminds me a bit of like Mayweather from Enterprise where. An interesting character, interesting backstory, but didn't really have a whole lot to do overall for like the show. So I felt yeah. like they didn't really know how to write his mm-hmm. character. I mean, other than the times where he continuously reminded people that he didn't grow up on Earth and he grew up on a cargo ship. I, I am a Back boomer. in my day, we didn't even have this. I'm, yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Well, I'm a boomer. And this is the sweet spot on the ship and nobody else knows where it is, you know? And then, you know, so it felt like they didn't know how to write his character very much like Harry Kim, where yeah. it's like, I feel like, especially in these like earlier seasons it's like you guys didn't even know what to do with him he was just there yeah and saying things mm-hmm. just he was just there to kind of give tom paris the opportunity to say weird creepy stuff too agree <laughs> we have a good little scene though where tom sort of doesn't sort of alludes to the fact that he doesn't miss earth but harry calls him out on it but i mean why would mm-hmm. tom miss earth i mean we've we've already said that he's basically went to the lord of the rings prison gandalf let him through why would he want to go back <laughs> that's right so, that's right he was digging through the mines of moria down there <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right this is turning into a lord of the rings podcast ladies and gentlemen <laughs> it's now a good time to say that i have not watched lord of the rings except for like the first movie what? and right. then i watched the yeah. hobbit hey. ones and i didn't like them well, uh, it's been nice talking to you, know. the two of you. I think I'll head out now. Uh, so who it's fine. are you? Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. That's okay. We won't. I'll stop with the Lord of the Rings deep cut references. Oh, I just won't understand them. You can make them all you want. Our <laughs> <laughs> uh, thirty-two listeners might enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot of cross pollination between 
Lord of the Rings and Star Trek fans, you know? Yeah, high fantasy, yeah, high exactly. sci-fi, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Maybe. I don't know. Um, we popped to engineering. Uh, I've written BLT, which is obviously Balana. So she analyzes the sample and talks to the EMH about it. And the EMH is just perfect in the first few seasons of Voyager. Oh, he's perfect throughout the whole thing, Robert Picardo. But the yes, yes, yes. S- s- attitude that he gives Balana, he's like, oh, well done. You've basically worked something out yourself. <laughs> You were so close, figuring it out. Yeah, I, I I really liked his demeanor. I felt like, which is fine, because character he's a character, right? So he's got to grow. Mm. You know, he has to kind of become something different, which is fine. You know, I don't think he lost the essence of what the EMH character was. But oh, in no, those first seasons, like, he's, like, his sass meter is turned up to, like, 110. Yeah. And it is max sass all the time. And I am here for it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's so good. And, yeah, his condescending ass attitude about it is just perfect, I thought. Rob Ricardo plays that character just beautifully. Yeah. So good. So what are we doing in a nebula? Oh, wait, of course. We're investigating. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's very similar sentiment of Neelix right there. Very similar, like, what are we doing? Like, aren't we supposed to be trying to get home? <laughs> okay. So, no. Yeah, very good. Uh, then we have the weird scene in the medicine, with the medicine basket or medicine bundle in the ready room. <laughs> Try to find the animal guide. I've written down, I do not know about this. Oh, and then Chakotay's like, oh, we used to take drugs. Now we take science. I just don't uh, understand. Chicote says that he hasn't shown anyone his medicine bundle before, but then we find out that he helped Balana meet her med- or her animal guide. Mm-hmm. Her medicine bundle. So obviously, he just lied. <laughs> I, I well, that's part of a spirit animal. It's a snake mm-hmm. slithering about, mm-hmm. lying, mm-hmm. hissing. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> spitting acid i don't know what snakes do they probably don't spit acid actually they think they spit venom but that's i don't know i don't know could be a trance worm there you go we don't know you know it could be a basilisk now we're going on to harry potter references Mm -hmm. for everybody here so (laughs) we don't know what kind of snake we're talking about but there's only one snake he's talking about with jamie oh 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 (laughs) he's talking about his little chakotes if you know what i mean it's his big chakotay it's not so little yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, he was, he was, he was. Oh, he showed her the medicine bundle. If you, if you catch my drift, he's like, "This is my special lake rock, and this is what I take to get high." <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, again, like it was another. Uh, I mean, that also that whole sequence was just weird. The Suzanne, I'm curious, Suzanne, what did you think of that? Like, what was your what do you think of that? What do you think of that whole the coochie, thing? The coochie Moya. <laughs> uh, I don't like the Akuchi Moya. I like that it shows them coming together and building upon mm-hmm. their relationship because I'm a big JC shipper. Mm. So this is like the third episode where I get more of that relationship building. And I see sparks happening. Unfortunately, never catch fire because they suck yeah they do suck actually i i liked the interaction between them i I agree the interaction is good it's a solid uh build between her and chakotay as as characters you know considering where they started from and where they are now i think it's Mm -hmm. important to kind of share those cultures and i understand like from a writer's perspective they were like 
we're going to lean into this Native American stuff hard, and mm-hmm. it's going to be part of his character, and he's going to use that to connect to Janeway, which, again, is like, it's not bad. It just comes off as, I want to say the phrase tone deaf in some ways. It comes across as a little, uh, I don't I don't know, but tone deaf may not be the right word because it's not offensive, but it's it's just... I don't know how to describe it. It's just it, it just doesn't sit right. It feels like they didn't explore enough of it. Have they picked one native culture and stuck with that? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. would have been good. Yeah. But they're cherry picking from like ten different ones. I mean, it's like no, that's not how that works. That's how Chicote does it. Listen, he's a he's uh <laughs> he gets his little medicine blanket out and uh he gets high and he just picks whatever <laughs> part of whatever tribe he wants to be a part of in that moment, you know? Uh, you know, I, I think it's actually, you brought up a good point where, like, it's almost kind of like a weird, like, uh, saying, like, oh, I've never shown anyone my medicine basket before, you know, and I'm going to keep mm-hmm. calling it the medicine basket. And uh, and he, like and then it's like, it almost kind of re- resonates now as, like, Oh, I've never, I've never done any anything like this with another girl before. I've never said anything like this to a girl before, and it's like, you know what I mean? Like it comes across as that line, and then later on, uh-huh. he's like, "Oh yeah, I mean, I definitely, I mean, I, other than her, I mean, I showed it to her and probably like a hundred other women." This is like his pickup line. He's like, "I'll help you get in touch with your spirit animal, if you know what I mean." <laughs> the inner you become bursting through like a butterfly. Yeah, the other basket he brought with him that was the sex toy basket. That was <laughs> un- that was the condoms. That was the secondary. Yeah, it's the condom basket, yeah. You know how we penetrated into the nebula? We've got to really dig deep for your spirit animal. We're going to have to go further if you understand my meaning. Yeah, You know what? But now it kind of comes across as that. Now that you brought that Melania situation in my head where he's like clearly lying about the fact that he's shown it to somebody. It's like, does he tell every woman this? He's like going down to the lower decks and he's like, you want to meet your spirit animal? Like... (laughs) It's kind of weird now that I think about it. Hello, Ensign Carter. You know he had to have shown Seska. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, 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 he showed Seska. Mm-hmm. Oh, he showed. <laughs> well, I want to know who her spirit animal is. Of Cardassian Vol. Vol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so Janeway's spirit animal thing, guide, is a lizard. Pretty. It's a gecko. It's a gecko. Yes, well, it's a gecko. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Looks like a lizard. It's yeah. a lizard. <laughs> could be a salamander. Could be a Komodo dragon. I don't know. It's crawling around. It's got scales. It's got a tongue. I don't know what it's doing. It's actually her ancestor. Or no? What's what's her what's the opposite of ancestor? The uh, descendant. descendant. It's her descendant from threshold. That's what it is. So it's her, it's grandchild, her grandchild. Yeah, perhaps. That's what it that makes be. me very uncomfortable okay. to think about, but <laughs> sure, yeah, that's, and I don't like nothing that. else that we've said today. <laughs> nope, just that. Actually, that's uh, I would say probably the line we've crossed it. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> it would have made me laugh if the lizard started turning around and talking. Though it's like, "Hello, Janeway, I am your spirit animal," and just had like this talking lizard because then that would have just topped this whole fucking episode off. I think it would have been. I would have actually preferred like this angelic voice of like. Janeway, you must lead the crew back to Earth, <laughs> and they will save you, but you must be their rock. <laughs> like, it was like this angelic voice. Like, and she's like, but how can I do that? And you will know how to do it. I don't know why she turned into a spooky ghost. But <laughs> spooky ghost lizard? Sure, why not? <laughs> 
very <laughs> Halloween, very on brand. Yeah, it's just topical. <laughs> Suzanne, what would your spirit animal be? Oh my goodness. Or spirit guide animal. Nick and yours? A squirrel. You'll be a squirrel. Yeah, squirrel. Okay. Sure. Nick? I have to go with the first animal that popped into my head when you asked Suzanne the question, and that was a sloth. So Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Which for him talking to me would be make more YouTube videos. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Again, it's got a spooky kind of and tone. He's, he's still spooky. <laughs> it's a sloth ghost. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All these animals are dead. <laughs> They're haunting me. Jacote, help. Get the medicine medicine basket. <laughs> Use your lake rock or whatever that was. That's actually what happened in the TNG episode Genesis. The spirit animals went wild. <laughs> took them over. <laughs> they took over. They took over. Oh, ooh, I like the crossover. I love it. Mm. Yes. I'd say just briefly, mine would be a manatee or a giraffe. One of those. That's what I feel like I would be. Maybe a manatee. Those are very... A manaraf. Uh, yeah. You can oh. merge them together. It's I don't a think you should put those things together. <laughs> I mean... Would the manatee have a long neck or the giraffe have just flippers? I don't really. The manatee would have really long legs. <laughs> <laughs> Look the same, but have little giraffe legs trying to kick in the water. Yeah, listen, if that thing came up out of the water with a manatee body with giraffe legs, I would I would run. I would be terrified if that thing coming out all hoofed up, clicking and clacking at you down the road. Like imagine that thing just kind of like it would be bigger than a moose. It would just be clicking and clacking down the side of the road, scaring people. Like, I would be terrified. I would be terrified. Your spirit animal is terrified. <laughs> Ours were normal. I thought squirrel was a weird answer, but you have a manatee giraffe hybrid creature. Ugh. I don't think, don't sit down with Chakotay because you don't want to meet that thing. It's gonna. It's not going to guide you to where you need to go. He's there. He's there. Medicine herbs are really working over over time on my mind. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do like how, like, when they were having the conversation about what is it, the creative imagination or whatever, active imagination, when they're on the bridge and he's describing what talking to the spirit animals are, just hokey. It comes off as weird, like when he shows up with the like with the medicine basket, and he's like, "This is the like." It's like it's just it, it's played weird. It's like we're just going to do this in your office. Like apparently, you can just use the holodeck whenever you want. Maybe turn off sex cabin for five minutes so you can set up like a like a nice setting here for you to actually have the sit down and not carry this medicine basket around and do it in the conference room. You know, like I just thought it was great they didn't have that stupid pan flute music. Sure. Yeah, that comes later on. We'll eventually yeah, follow yeah. Chakotay around. I mean, he loves a good pan flute, you know, because that's very on brand. <laughs> you- Maybe he was related to Zamfir. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, the pan flute. Oh, actually, I kind of wish it was there, to be honest. He's like, oh, I never even play this for any of the other girls. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, and Belana walks in and instead of interrupting about the um, nebula, etc., she's like, "You played that for me." Yeah, I thought I was the only girl you played the pan flute for, and he was like, "Ladies, ladies, pan flute for all." To go around. That's right. There's enough pan flute for everyone. I don't know why he kind of sounds like Billy D. Williams in this situation, but hello, what have we here? Yeah. Jeez, we are so far off track. 
<laughs> are we even talking about Voyager anymore? Now we're talking about Billy Dee Williams. I don't know. I feel like I'm wrecking this podcast. No, no, no. It's, this is literally the standard of the podcasts that I'm on. <laughs> so, it's good. This is good. Sometimes on uh, The Edge when we were on Trek FM, we'd, I've got a whole episode that I didn't put out. It was so good. Talking about Klingon penises for 10 minutes. So, <laughs> I mean, The double dicks. The double dicks, yeah. yeah. Oh, I suggest not Googling it. Yeah, I would. I'm not going to Google it because I'm sure someone's. As soon as they saw that, they were sketching immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, was I, a, yes. it was a bad experience for all. That could be a whole new YouTube video for you to create, but it might have to go on a different <laughs> platform. That's for my uh, after hours, my after dark Katwalski <laughs> channel. Katwalski I'll link that one. <laughs> put on your your half robe. That's right. I let the I let the chest yeah. be exposed a little bit. You know, one smoke on a pipe. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just kind of like one one nip kind of hanging out, kind of just a little uh just a little racy, but nothing too serious, you know. Not quite OnlyFans, but not quite YouTube, you know. <laughs> Star Trek <laughs> OnlyFans account. <laughs> <laughs> you think that somebody doesn't have that? Are you it's kidding me? Probably I there, but I've never looked it up. I can't say I I'm bet a subscriber. All the money I have that somebody has oh. like a, a Jadzia trill makeup and they're just butt naked mm. and they're selling that. They do go that's all guaranteed. the way down. <laughs> that's 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 exactly right. You think they don't have that? Mm. They do. I believe oh. it. <sighs> so the cloud. Anyways, yeah. the cloud. Yeah. Let's. Uh. So Balana interrupts this uh, <laughs> animal foreplay thing that's going on and. Um, she tells that the nebula is actually an animal or some kind of life form, which I'd like to point out they said was 64 million kilometers wide earlier on in the episode. So it's they a did. huge animal. It's, it's, I, so that's something that I, it's I an do. Amoeba. I, what's up? It's an amoeba. They're not 64 it million kilometers though. It's a space amoeba. In the Delta Quadrant they okay. are. That's right. You don't know. You've been to the Delta Quadrant? I don't think so. Yes. Nobody has. Nobody's seen anything like that. Chicote took me there once. Shut. Oh, yeah. Well, he played the pan flute and took you there. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Whisked me away. That's the sound of the pan flute. That's a terrible pan flute. <laughs> uh, well, it's no better than Chicote's pan flute. Okay. Uh, whisks you away to a different quadrant. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's whisking you away to a, a night of bliss mm-hmm. to get in touch with your inner spirit animal. Oh. <laughs> I've totally forgot the premise of our show. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Janeway going um, and doing the whole medicine thingy with Janeway, uh, with Chakotay. I think that's the right way, only because it's like engaging with the culture of her crew, even if we think from a 2020 standpoint, this whole culture thingy that they were trying to do is a bit sketchy. But totally the right way. Agree? She should have waited until she was off duty. She's never off duty. No. Janeway's always on. Yeah, she's always on. Or at least wait till he's off duty, because I'm sure they're both working right now. It looks like he came in right from the bridge. That's true. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even her quarters. It was literally her ready room. <laughs> it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Oh, so am I putting this as a wrong way then? Seriously? Right or wrong, Nick? Go. Or Jane? I'm going to say it was the wrong way. And the reason I say that is I think she was trying to slip in to see his medicine basket and it didn't work out. She should have locked the door, but she didn't. So <laughs> okay. it was the wrong way to get the to see the Chicote bear, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you agree, Suzanne? 
Yeah, it's definitely uh, wrong way. Lock the lock door. The door. <laughs> lock both doors. <laughs> Not the way I was thinking of this decision, uh, it, but okay. Uh, well, I mean, you're thinking of it from a professional standpoint. We're thinking of it, her and the bear perspective, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, back on the bridge. Janeway was trying to work out, like, whether they've heard it, and the doctor's like, of course you fucking heard it. He, like, blew it up. So a bit more sass of the Doctor and then the Doctor waving in the background because he was muted. Sorry, complete wrong thing to do to mute the Doctor. He's your, like, chief medical officer. Like, Yes. Silly, silly thing it to do. It was the wrong thing to do, yeah. Definitely the wrong thing. He gets some more science talk about creating a nucleonic beam, whatever that is for the particular episode plotline, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just more of that techno babble, space magic. They're like, I did like the fact that the Doctor as sassy and condescending as he is, they use the opportunity there to showcase his warmer supportive side by actually being like, actually you do know the answer. Remember? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Bellana was able to get to the answer by herself. You know, she was able to kind of, even though she already knew the answer, you know, she was actually able to come up with it, which I thought was really smart. A way to kind of showcase that the doctor is being kind of a jerk, but at the same time, though, he is being supportive, which I think kind of adds to the, his character that we yeah. kind of get later on a little bit more. So I thought that was a really nice way to kind of add that in. That was a fun way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Mm-hmm. What are you calling her? Are you calling her BTL? BLT? Is that BLT. what you're calling her? Yeah. So I'm going to start calling her that. That comes from an episode, uh, Equinox. They call her BLT Equinox. and Equinox. I really need to watch this show again yeah. because I don't remember that phrase at all. Yeah, so the- I'm way off the cuff. I'll be back next week, guys. Neelix is in the mess hall serving up people and then Chakotay calls them all to the bridge. <laughs> That's it. I'm trying to serve dinner. I'm going to the captain. Oh, calm the fuck down, mate. That was a really weird. That was really weird. I thought that was very strange. so uppity about it. It's like you're on a starship that's like, you know, anything can happen. Clearly, you've just had, like, he's had his lungs removed. Of course, things could happen and go wrong. And then he stormed off. You don't want to hurt that two-year-old accompanied lung. I will say that I think it was the right way, the way that Janeway handled the situation, though. Yeah. Because when he was in there kind of ranting and raving, and she was like, we're not going to stop now to get you out, but if you want to leave after we're done, you can get gone because I'll have Kim back there making up ancient Chinese <laughs> recipes with his ancient Chinese proverbs. He'll be cooking rice and eggs or something. I don't know, but he'll be doing something. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. it's, I mean, it's in the 1990s, probably. Um, yeah, no, I- <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the 1990s, he'd be making yeah. General Sal's chicken or something they'd force him to make. <laughs> this is Chinese food, right? <laughs> right, Garrick? It's it's Garrett. <laughs> Whatever, just say the line. <laughs> it's, like, it's like eat what your mum had when you were in the womb. Clearly, remember it. <laughs> I remember being in the womb. Oh, it makes me so uncomfortable. Stop bringing it up. Um, I do. I do like how Jay May dismissed him, and I think that's probably one of our openings, isn't it? For the episodes, that's no, that's one of the closings. Oh, that's the closings, is it? Oh, because yeah. that used to be how how I would close out my AOL. Instead of saying goodbye, it would say dismissed. That's a Starfleet expression for get out. So Nebula Monster is not happy. It's got a big hole in its, I'm guessing, stomach or something like that. Mm, uh, yeah. They need to go back in and fix it. So quite funny when they were going in because it reminded me of 
Thunderbirds in a way. Um, I keep bringing that up on the Vedic Assembly. Might as well bring it up on the Janeway. Uh, they go, it's basically acting like a roller coaster with the inertia dampeners offline, jumping around the ship, guy falling off of the second story of engineering. It, it does make me, like when he said inertial dampeners are offline, it, it's, these are just words, right, that they put in the script and they're just reading them out loud. But when they say it, it's like, what do you mean the inertial dampeners are offline? Like, what? Like, do you understand what that term means? Because you're just saying it, and it's like the impact of that on the crew would be enormous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a very common thing in Star Trek. Like, I was actually just rewatching an episode of uh, the first episode of, of the episode of Enterprise where they deal with the Borg, and they like power off the entire ship when they're or in whatever the it is. Yeah. The, the Arctic, yeah. There's like an episode where like they damage the ship and like the power's going out over there and they're like, we're losing power in all systems. And it's like, yeah, that would include like artificial gravity, but they're like, yeah, but they don't have the budget mm-hmm. to have everyone float through the hallways. So it's like <laughs> everything's off, but gravity, you know what I mean? So it's, it's they're just words. So it's, but it is like inertial dampeners are offline. That's a weird thing to say. That's a weird thing to go down, I thought, was a weird line. They could have said anything. So, I mean, imagine if they were at warp and the inertial dampeners went offline when they come out of it. I would like to see just an episode like that where you just end up at the end, or like a short treks with all the crew ended up splattered on the front of the ship because the inertial dampeners <laughs> are offline. I'd like to think somebody so was like holding a onto belt. a chair. Yeah, a seatbelt. Well, no, but just the no, captain gets a seatbelt. There is no seatbelts in Star Trek. That's why. Um, well, no, the seatbelt is the inertial, di- the inertial dampers. Yeah, but they go offline so often. <laughs> That's true. The seatbelts are offline. They don't say that out loud, but they always go offline. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, yeah. holodeck safeties always go offline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time you're using it, the holodeck safety goes offline. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that's exactly so, correct. So where's a transporter malfunction? God, without all these malfunctions, actually, the future does oh, sound yeah. very scary when you think about it. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish this whole situation would be resolved that you could beam us out. Sorry, there's a... Nucleonic particles. Ionization. <laughs> right, nucleonic. There's some clouds. I can't beam it with the clouds. Yeah. I'm so there's sorry. There's dust nodules. <laughs> yeah, with dust nodules. I can't. We're actually yeah. doing it. The transporters are down for maintenance. We're waiting for the guy who's a contractor. He's coming out from Earth. It's going to be here in like three <laughs> that, weeks. Sorry, so. we're just having a mop-up. Somebody died. <laughs> <laughs> we had another motion picture incident here where somebody beams inside someone else and they oh. scream horrifically. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Ugh. Sorry, there's a bit of Leland on my shoe. I can't. Gene's still cleaning that up. Sorry. Oh, poor Gene. Mm. Poor Gene. I've already forgot the name, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, where were we? Oh, yeah, they get stuck into it a little bit further and they find out they can bond or blood. No, wait, what have I written down here? Sorry. They're going to suture it. They're going to suture it. Oh, and blood surf, though. Suture? Is it suture? Right, but the way Janeway says it after him, it's like, oh, suture, which is just not aging well at all no. as a thing. Like, it's like I've researched this old ancient remedy. It's called drinking water. Oh, drinking water! <laughs> like, oh, I just get my water leeches through for yeah, leeches, right? Yeah, it was very weird. Like that's such a I hate when they do that stuff where they're like, I researched this old technique called fixing the fucking wound, and it's oh, you think they forgot? You think like the doctor doesn't like they don't know suturing? 
in case like the medical stuff doesn't work right. Mm. Like they don't know how to. I doubt yeah. that. I really do. I mean, you think bones didn't know how to suture a wound. Are you kidding me? Mm. Come on. He could do a drunk and he was mostly drunk. <laughs> but yeah, I did like the fact when they flew up to the orifice, because now it is an orifice in this case, yes, and they is. attempted to seal it. Force lightning came out and <laughs> just, Star Trek lightning. It just yeah, it just shocked the ship and then it just falls down. And again, like another one of those things where they're like kind of run through like different ideas on how to get it to stop shooting lightning at it. Mm. And they come up with like a really harebrained idea and then the lightning, the force lightning just stops, which is really nice so that they can continue on with the plot mm-hmm. of, the, of the episode. Possibly the amoeba is Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the thing is, is we do know that Sheev is the Senate. So that's the issue is, that we're having here is that he is he the is he both an amoeba and the Senate? Is he an amoeba Senate? I don't know. You know, what was he doing between Return of the Jedi and Rise of the Last Skywalker, whatever mm. the fucking that movie was called? I don't remember. But, you know, maybe he was a space amoeba dipping around the Alpha Quadrant. Okay. I see where your head's at here. He's yeah. just, you know, but they they cut the audio of him just going. <laughs> and he just force lightnings the ship. They cut that. They cut that part out. Yeah. Couldn't get the budget for that either. Could get the budget. Yeah, they couldn't afford them. They couldn't afford Chiefs. They couldn't afford them. Uh, yeah, they they blew their budget on Nutella for the episode that they used earlier. <laughs> Nescafe didn't come through. <laughs> Nescafe, they didn't come through like we needed them to. Yeah. All we got as a sponsor for this episode is Chock full of nuts. Seriously, get a fresh can of chock full of nuts coffee. It's a real coffee company, by the way. For those of you that don't know. I had no idea. It's not good. It's not very good. Don't drink it. So the blood surfing I thought was cool. Uh, You know, all of 200 kilometers an hour through the blood of a nebula monster. And then the most irritating thing happened and Neelix walked on and is like, snacks anybody? Uh, With his canopies. Just piss the hell off. I'm your morale officer. Uh, no. No, you're not. Mm, so it's like, he is. And that's why the morale is always in the dumps. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird, I thought that was weird, but what was also weird is because the way that the scene was framed, there was no clear way for Neelix to get off the bridge before the action started. So then he just awkwardly sat down there with his plate of, I assumed pigs yeah. in a blanket, his hors d'oeuvres, mm-hmm. and he was just sitting there, like, just observing things. <laughs> it was a little like it was awkward. It looked like stuffed grape leaves. I don't know what they were. I don't know what he was serving and out there. And Janeway just took one bite and then put it back. Ew. Mm. Yeah. Yep. That's obviously uh, they don't have COVID concerns out there in the Delta Quadrant. So. <laughs> <laughs> You get a bit of random dog talk going on between Tom and Janeway. Now, you wouldn't know this because you haven't listened to the Delta Flyers podcast, but apparently there was, Nick, uh, the possibility that they were writing Janeway and Paris such that they would be hooking up. I did not know Not in this episode, but at the beginning of Voyager, it was uh, the idea that Tom and Janeway would hook up. Yep. And that's probably the whole idea of the sexually charged yes ma'ams that we hear throughout the... uh, first season of voyager i when she asked him if he liked dogs it was a weird 
I, I, I was like, what a weird thing to ask someone in the middle of a crisis. You like dogs, Mr. Paris? And I'm like, this is not the time to start making friends. Like, what are you talking? Like, what are you doing here? And even he turned around. He was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like dogs. I'm not a freak, you know. I, you know. And she was like, I like dogs too. <laughs> and it was like a weird, like another weird, like who wasn't Janeway supposed to hook up? With in the first season because Neelix. I mean I don't know she was eating his hors d'oeuvres so I don't know she was sampling the but she put it back it's she still tried it though mm-hmm. you know yeah and she was gonna she was gonna try his nasty chocolate coffee she was gonna try it and until she got called out of there so she was putting up with his stuff you know and if that doesn't say I love you I don't know what does mm-hmm. yeah amen yeah yeah she was hooking up with everyone. Ew. Now, yeah. Ew. Do you two even Harry? Oh. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Harry's the one that invited her out. Remember that? He invited her to the date. Want to come out, mummy? Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can join us if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, "Where?" And then she like shows up, and like everyone that she knows is in this room, and she's like, "Cool, cool, 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 cool." Want to come cool, to cool, the cool, sex cool. cabin? Nice. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, everyone in here is programmed to have sex with Tom, so don't talk to them. <laughs> especially the gigolo. the gigolo. Yeah. Especially the gigolo. Yeah, what did he say when she walked in? He was like, I could always smell when a woman who can breed enters the room or something. Yes. It was something, like it was something weird reading. like that. And I was like, oh, what are you saying? Like, who's like even gigolo? What do you think gigolos talk about? Like, what, what is this conversation? I always know when a woman's ready to breed. What? What? <laughs> You're gonna murder her? Like, what are you talking about? Are you a gigolo or a killer? <laughs> it was very weird. I know we're jumping ahead, but that was a really weird line from the gigolo. It was, yeah, that's. Oh, maybe you met a gigolo in that prison. Was- <laughs> that's what <we're> doing. <laughs> that, yeah, it's, uh, you're learning a couple of things in prison, including how to smell a woman in her prime. Oh. What? Tom. Because Tom had to program okay. him to smell a woman ready to breed, mm. and that's what's weird. We're missing that part. He programmed Tom's him. had to program all of it. Now all I'm thinking of is multiple MIGs in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, Ugh. wow. Oh, I don't. Ugh. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had, that, he had a similar line, I can smell your, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather not think about it. No. But you're right. It yeah. was less vulgar, but also very much the same. It was a very weird... Yeah. Another one of those. We'll get to that. I guess we'll get to the end sex cabin scene later. We still have to close up the orifice. Have you guys seen... (laughs) (laughs) Back, anyways, back to the orifice. It always leads back to an orifice, yes. Um, That's true. Have you guys seen that cartoon when you were younger called The Magic School Bus? At all? Oh yeah, I know. Yes. I know, Miss Frizzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and the, like the, sh- the bus shrinks into things. There's an episode where mm-hmm. they shrink inside a human body, and this is what it reminded me of, like trying to fix this nebula. Very much, I would say that's very true. And even like the whole construct of like trying to repair the thing, it's actually like a weird, uh, it's like a weird construct of like how they're trying to use like like nanoprobes to like enter people's bodies in order to fix internal problems and stuff like that. Mm. It's very much like that because this being is, as you said, 64 million kilometers or whatever the fuck it was, some crazy nonsense like yeah. that. And it was, and there's like this little tiny microscopic ship that caused this little mm-hmm. tiny hole that was really hurting it. And then they went in there and they, 
you know, very specifically repaired it as a suture, which is what those little nanoprobes would be doing. Mm-hmm. These little mechan- these medical nanoprobes that they would be doing. So it was actually kind of a weird like foreshadowing of future technology. But yeah, I totally get that reference. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, because you're about the only person that I've ever spoken to whenever I brought up the magic school bus and actually understood what I was saying because nobody understands it. Who hasn't seen the magic? What? That's, that's what? crazy. I'm fairly sure the entirety of Australia. Well, we got to fix that. We better get that up on Australian Netflix or whatever you guys are watching down there. <laughs> they fixed the space monster nebula guy, mm-hmm. which is good, but they've lost 20% of their energy reserves doing so, and they've basically like fucked themselves over big time. Which none of them seem, yeah, none of them seem concerned about that, by the no. way, which 20% is a huge amount for energy mm-hmm. reserves when you're trying to be Losing like a fifth of your stuff is just insane right and and they're still like i'll probably just pop down and do a little holodeck adventure i think you know and it's like <laughs> no maybe turn some of the lights off i don't like i don't know stop charging your space phones you know i don't really know like what is it's very strange and they don't seem stressed about it at all but i i feel like You've lost 20% of your energy reserves. You've rationed it in order to make sure that you can make it back to Earth, and it's going to take a specific number of years to reach there. And without that, that automatically means you're not going to be able to reach it. That's a very serious problem mm. that you've just created. And I I would actually argue that it was the wrong way for them going back in there to save the space amoeba. I'm actually on the fence of... Mm. It's right for Star Trek, like Starfleet values, mm-hmm. like to save it. And of course, that's a very fun, harrowing story. But if your first priority is to the crew, wasting more energy reserves on trying to fix that mistake, I think was potentially the wrong choice. I mean, obviously, mm. we know that they make it back, but they didn't know that at the time. They didn't know that they were going to find all this crazy you know, shit going on in the Delta Quadrant. They thought they were just going to fly back normally yeah. and just really screwed them there. That's a good point. Because it is definitely the right thing to do to try and fix a mistake that you've done if you've hurt something. Mm-hmm. But my God, you're going to end up killing yourself or stranding mm-hmm. yourself if you don't have the right amount of energy. And it's not like you could go in there, try and fix it, and then whilst blood serving, pick up the Omicron particles. You know, like steal some blood, and then you know better than the Vidians. Right. They didn't get any new energy. Mm. They lost 20%, and now mm-hmm. they've essentially potentially ruined their chances of getting home, and they're like, i probably just... Head on down to the sex cabin, I think, for a quick bout, <laughs> quick shot through the old orifice, as they say. You know, it's it was just a very weird tone afterwards, mm. and they're like, we've lost 20% of the energy capacity. Anyways, I'm going to go probably talk to my salamander. I'm going to I'm gonna really definitely never... choke up a wrong way for that. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Talk to the salamander. Uh, all right. You can, you can introduce the sex cabin, if you like, Nick, because that's where we're at now. Yeah, so after... After they ruin everything and they lose all their energy, uh, Harry Kim and the captain are in the elevator, and she's telling him about how Chakotay helped her find her inner woman. And after he gets off the elevator- And Harry said, me too. Yeah, right, me too. And he's like, you know, I also remember being in inner woman. And she was like, what do you mean? And he was like, the womb, of course, of my mother. And then she was Definitely like, not get the hell off this elevator. Yeah, this is not what I thought. Now I've got that visual. Um, and so as the elevator, you know, the, the turbo lift, I should say, ends and he gets off, he was, he, then he throws out a pity invite to Jane when he was like, I don't know if you want to just come hang out with us. You come hang out with us. And she was like, 
oh my gosh, thank you so much because I'm seriously so bored and I feel like I'm going insane. She didn't say that, but it was implied. He's um, like a good teacher's and, pet, really, that he's asking her along. I mean, yeah, I mean, and then he brings her in without in, notifying anybody first, which is also a party <laughs> foul, as I would like to call it. And yes. everybody's in there smoking, choking, token, artichoking. And Chakotay's even in there. He's like showing one of the hollow women like his medicine basket. You know, he's like, I'll help you find your holographic. And you know what I mean? Like he's doing his whole thing. Got the pan flute in there and everything. And then they're all like in there together. Even BLT's in there. And it, 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 was, it was just weird because, again, this room is designed for Tom Paris to have sex with every person in there. Mm -hmm. He built it so that he can have sex with everyone. And right off the bat, we get a couple of, we get three very standout, four actually very standout things that do not age well. Immediately, we get the gigolo who says, I can Mm -hmm. smell your hormones from here. I'm looking at those birthing hips and I want to breed with you because I'm a gigolo and all I know about is apparently sex because that's all Tom Paris thinks gigolos talk about, which is a... A very strange, why even gigolos are even around and why he programmed a gigolo in there or why there was a gigolo in France at the time he was there. These are all questions that I have that we have no answers to. (laughs) Was he always there or did he try to spice up the place? I don't know with the gigolo. I'm not quite clear about that. So you have that. Then you have the old pool guy. Yep. Who's also just as creepy to BLT. Mm -hmm. Trade him main. Yes. Super creepy. Then you have Tom Paris referring to Chakotay as the Indian, which is just so not okay. And he's like, yeah, I'm just setting up the Indian here to fail at this pool game. And it's like, oh, they could have probably done without that line. That's not good. And then you have Harry Kim making out with the old bar uh, as well. Yeah, which is very... Very weird, and the whole sequence is just awkward. What's it it's like in your awkward. room, Sandrine? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Ew. Is it? Oh, I'm not no. even gonna say that line. Uh, yeah. Is that the line oh. that we've drawn now? That's the line that we've drawn. Now we're talking about pure penetration. I think we're skipping that. It's <laughs> Suzanne. We're getting an explicit content, aren't we? Yeah. It's this is uh, yeah. this is an X-rated podcast now. And, and that's why I say, like, his interactions with with her is what made me believe, like, the earlier time that they were in there didn't just end with them saying goodnight and kissing each other on the cheek. There was definitely a, a familiar, familiar, familiarity between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think she has seen his and his Harry Kims, if you know what I mean. So I I do... I, I, yeah, so it's a very weird place to bring all of your coworkers and all of your bosses to, to be like, why don't you come hang out in my cool sex cabin? It's like having a Christmas show at a strip joint. Right. And then inviting everybody you work with <laughs> mm-hmm. and being like, this is probably normal. Mm-hmm. I've had sex with everybody in mm-hmm. here. Yeah. On that pool table. Mm-hmm. And I don't reset that ever. So it was just a weird scene. You know, I, I did like that Janeway was kind of able to play a little game with them where she like pretended she didn't know mm-hmm. what pool was and then she was like jokes mm-hmm. on you like I totally do know what pool is good hustling yeah a little hustle pool shark yeah exactly so I, I liked that that was probably the only good part of that whole sequence everything else about it was awkward and weird she also asked Chakotay for his stick mm-hmm. oh yeah she said can I get your bear stick and, <laughs> and then he's like 
It's called a pool cue, madam. I'm surprised you didn't get behind her and help her, you know, line up that a shot or whatever. That would have been just so good. And he would have been like, you know, my spirit tells me which ball to hit. And, you know, how far are they going to lean into it really is the question. Spirit tells me which ball to hit. Oh, no. I, uh, I think we've made the end of the episode. This is the end. This is the end. I think Suzanne, this is the longest we've recorded. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I we're just dragging it out. I apologize. You might have to cut some of it out just to keep the rating down. (gasps) Nah, nah. This never. (laughs) We have landed. This is the first time this has happened, Suzanne. We've got zero Janeway moments. We've got three right way and three wrong way moments. How do we how do we decide if there's a tiebreak? What it, what the episode lands on? Our Rock guest paper scissors. <laughs> so is it to say like did she do this episode the right way or the wrong way? Yep, or the Jane way? Because mm-hmm. I mean, you could go down that path still if you wanted to. I would say that she did it the wrong way. You're gonna go down the wrong way. This is the wrong way for several reasons. Number one, she did not get to see Chakotay's bear. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> number two, she lost twenty percent of the energy and got none mm-hmm. in return. Number three, she had zero cups of coffee the entire episode. And number four, she, uh, I would argue, uh, did not bring up enough references to Harry Kim's mother's womb, so she gets a knocker off on that. Yep. So, <laughs> all right, that's it then. Yep. So Janeway has completed the cloud the wrong way. Which, yep. do you know what? It's pretty much the same as she did to everything else in the whole entire <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. At least it wasn't the dumb way. Nick, thank you for coming on the Janeway. I hope that you've had a good time, even if we've talked about all sorts of weird shit. Listen, I had a great time, and don't worry about talking about all the weird shit, because I think I was the one that instigated the majority of it. So. And that is exactly what we like, isn't it, Suzanne? <laughs> if anything, I appreciate you guys hanging out and talking a bunch of weird stuff. This is why, This is why, like I said, I wanted to come on and, and be able to kind of talk long form and just have a fun conversation and, and just kind of BS and have a good laugh at, at a franchise that we all love and that we all know, mm-hmm. we all care so much about, we're all passionate about, and I think it's just great that you know, the internet provides us the capability to sit down and talk through, you know, thousands of miles away from each other and still have a good laugh about mm-hmm. something that we all, that we all, that connects us. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, having me on. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me on, really. And you are more than welcome to come back to talk about the sex episode of Lotion. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to, actually, after this one. I don't know. That will definitely be an X-rated. <laughs> I think this will get the explicit mark, probably. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you're more than welcome to come back anytime that you want. Just mess, give us a message. Yeah, thank you so much. I look forward to it. Thank you for tuning in to us. We really appreciate all of you who listen to us talk about Voyager and all the nonsensical crap we come out with. And also love it if you subscribe to us and gave us all of the stars on whatever platform you're listening to and leave a review. First, though, Nick, where can we find you online? Now, I'm fairly sure you have a YouTube channel. Uh, you might say that. Uh, yeah. So if you go to youtube.com forward slash Ketwalski. That'll get you to uh, the main YouTube channel page, but you can also find me over on Facebook at the Ketwalski fan group page. And then of course on Twitter at real Ketwalski, you guys can find me there. And I do try to respond back to comments or 
or messages and stuff like that when I can. Um, so if you anybody wants to contact me or just have a little chat, I uh, hopefully I can get back with you. And, and I look forward to hearing from uh, from everybody. So again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Suzanne, what about you? You've recently had a bit of interest from Anson Mount. Yes. Yes, I was. Uh, I posted on my stained glass Twitter, which is at stained sass, <laughs> where I do Star Trek stained glass projects. And he retweeted my enterprise. I was so thrilled. Wow. Congratulations. That's great. It was awesome. Yeah. You need to go and have a look so at I it. I got a few orders for that. Have you, have you had many for them? Yeah. I'm running out of glass. <laughs> I need to buy <laughs> more, glass. more glass. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, that, that's awesome. And, it, and listeners, you need to go and check it out because the work that Suzanne does is amazing. And especially, I love the Klingon bat lift that you do. Thank you. So in addition to stained sass, you can find me at kjaneway8 on Twitter. And you can also find me on Sweet Media, this network, doing Boldly Go, a Strange New Worlds podcast with Brandy Jackala. And Liam, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LS74656. You can also find me on this network on the Vedic Assembly, which is our Deep Space Nine podcast, which uh, a certain someone is also apparently coming on when we record next week. <clears throat> <clears throat> spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers, oh yeah, we don't want to say that. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> don't even know what we're talking about yet because we can't be bothered thinking of something we've given that to Nick today. That's, well, we'll come up with something. <laughs> I think after this, I think you can think we're just going to come up with something. We're talking about something. Yes, exactly. Maybe Cisco's goatee Uh-oh. or something. I don't know. <laughs> this is a whole episode <laughs> dedicated to his goatee. Just remember to follow us on Twitter at thejane underscore way. And on our Facebook listeners group, The Nexus. Until next time, remember to keep doing things not the right way, not the wrong way, but the Jane way. Dismiss. That's a Starfleet expression for get out. is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview program for Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. It's too much effort and I'm busy. I got to get this done. Mhm. Yeah, he had stuff to do. He had logs to plant. He had a ship to take over. <laughs> He had an entire plot to uh, to fill out and make everyone think that he needed to have a trial for mutiny <laughs> because that will distract everyone long enough for them to get to Talospor. He's busier than Prince Humperdinck. Loading Sweet preview program for Starpod Trek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. So we're seeing that the early Star Trek conventions were were a nice balance between science fiction and real world science, and that was cool because the, because a lot of uh, Star Trek fans are interested in science, and a lot of, and I mean all of those um, science guests that were there probably were Star Trek fans, and and they they probably even said that that they got into to science because of their love of Star Trek. Loading Hollow Sweet preview program for the Vedic Assembly. A Deep Space Nine podcast. We don't know what that Cardassian technology is, but 
Yeah. Do we need to know? No, we don't need to know. Just some bit of self-stealing, self-sealing stem bolts. (laughs) Yes, it wants those self-sealing stem bolts. (laughs) Somebody wants them. (laughs) Because self-sealing, you guys. Yes. I mean, it's not just a regular stem bolt. (laughs) I don't know why you don't get why these are so valuable. Okay. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.